we're back, and it's a pleasure to say always welcome to Colonel Grant Newsom, United States Marine Corps retired, a man who not only served his country with distinction in the uniform of the Marines, but also as a foreign service officer. He's also been very active in business affairs in East Asia, and he has in recent years been a research fellow at the Japan Forum for Strategic Studies, focusing, of course, on Asia-Pacific defense, political, and economic matters. Very proud to say he is also a senior fellow with our Center for Security Policy. Ever a welcome guest here at Secure Freedom Radio. Colonel, it's good to have you back, sir. Welcome. Uh, Thanks very much. Glad to be here. You had a piece that caught my eye in Asia Times recently entitled Defending Taiwan think globally and look up. It's a very interesting piece about how to, um, Dwight Eisenhower said, uh, paraphrasing here, something like when a problem is big, make it bigger (laughs) to solve it. Um, Talk a little bit about your sort of recommendation on a strategy for trying to, well, in the first instance, defer the Chinese from their evident intent to attack Taiwan and if that fails to defeat them. Well, yes, the, the point of the article is that most of the discussion on a, of a scenario or war involving Taiwan, it focuses on Taiwan itself, the Taiwan Strait, and the area immediately around it, as if the, the fight is going to be restricted to that specific geographical location. Uh, if that happens, America is at a great disadvantage, and it's reported that the Americans lose all the war games that we do. Uh, about such a scenario. So what I suggest is that we should look at the entire globe and, if necessary, attack on a a broader front. And why I say that is China depends on its overseas assets and resources for food and oil and finance its money. And these are very vulnerable. Their supply lines are open. And the Chinese military, as, as much as it has advanced in the last 20 years, it cannot defend its supply lines. And that's where it's extremely vulnerable. So what I argue is that rather than just focusing on this very, very difficult problem of how to win a, a narrow fight uh, on the ta- in the Taiwan Straits, that you look at the whole world and give China a choice. You know, if they go after Taiwan, they lose all their food, they lose their energy. Uh, make it clear that that's what uh, they will face. And that gives us a huge advantage um, if we, say, look at the whole map and build our strategy along those lines. Additionally, China is very vulnerable to financial sanctions. Uh, as I've mentioned before, that the Chinese currency is not convertible, which means that it's very hard to use overseas because not many people want it. So cut them off from the U.S. dollar network on which they depend, and they've got another serious problem. So if you expand the battlefield, as Eisenhower, I guess, said, make it bigger. Uh, China has some very serious disadvantages, and we have some very real advantages. And that's, I think, where we ought to be uh, looking now. Let me just put to you a question that I don't mean as rhetorical. I think it's very relevant and probably obvious. I'm pretty sure the Chinese are thinking globally about all of this as well. Uh, There's a lot of reason to believe that they have in mind invading India, perhaps concurrently, though as a military man, you would know, generally speaking, two-front wars are ill-advised. They may have in mind making it a bigger problem for us as well. And between that general sort of strategic idea and their strategic partnership with the Russians and 
effectively with the Iranians and certainly with the North Koreans. There's a lot of other mischief makers who could be brought up on the net, either by prearrangement or perhaps just by opportunism on the part of Vladimir Putin, the bullies in Iran, and Kim Jong-un in North Korea. So, Colonel, when you talk about this strategy for making the problem bigger or um, deterring the Chinese, hopefully, have you anticipated that they may be planning on doing very much the same thing? And how prepared are we to contend with that? And would it affect their deterrence calculations that we are not, perhaps? Yes. Well, the Chinese look at the whole map as well, and they understand their own vulnerabilities. Uh, But as part of that, they also understand how we can be distracted and diverted uh, in so that we can't focus just on, say, a Taiwan scenario. And as you mentioned, what I uh, I agree, what I would expect is in the event of um, the Chinese doing something towards Taiwan, I would expect Russia to make a move of some sort, you know, at least enough to force the Americans to keep forces, keep their attention focused on, say, Europe. Similarly, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the North Koreans made a move that once again forces us to keep attention and effort and resources focused on the Korean Peninsula. The Indian border, same thing. Uh, And Iran as well. They make any sort of move in the Middle East. Well, America has to look after that. So what you can do is you can prevent the Americans with three, four, five other serious problems that they have to be ready to deal with, and they cannot focus all their resources on Taiwan. And to say the Chinese know that, and I expect them to do that. Well, again, uh, I guess I'm trying to perform a little bit of a net assessment here as to whether they're better prepared to act globally, especially if you throw into the mix, uh, in addition to the points you've very usefully made, Colonel, the prospect that uh, some, if not a number, of the places that they have effectively colonized in their Belt and Road Initiative. Um, We were just talking with Francisco Tudela about Latin America, for example, um, or Africa, or Southeast Asia, or South Asia, for that matter, perhaps even Europe, um, become places where we are also going to be pulled, distracted, or otherwise disorganized. When you put all that together, um, I'm concerned that net-net, they may feel advantaged and thereby emboldened to act in Taiwan and, again, perhaps elsewhere. Your thoughts? Well, that could happen. And the so-called Belt and Road Initiative and all of these overseas commercial presence that the Chinese have, that is intended eventually to have a military purpose. So you will, over time, and it could be a decade, say, you'll have a very substantial overseas Chinese military presence. Um, Additionally, it will have a bigger Chinese military that is more capable of projecting power, of protecting its supply lines. And that's where they're headed. It may take them a while to get there. But also when they have this commercial presence around the world, that this leads to political influence. So these countries shift more towards China, away from the United States, and that further strengthens China's overseas position. So they're looking for a global presence, so just like we have. Uh, They understand how useful it is for us. They understand how vulnerable they are with without it. And that's what they're trying to do. As I say, it may take them a while, but they are um, setting out on a strategy uh, that is intended to sort of keep us 
on the back foot and eventually to dominate us and give us uh, no good options other than to uh, give up. And that's what the, they, they're headed for. And you know, one does hope that the Americans have a coherent system, systematic strategy for dealing with this. Uh, a lot of what we do is ad hoc. It doesn't seem particularly well uh, thought out as a part of a comprehensive long-term plan. The, the Chinese have, um, think a little more clearly than us in this regard. They think a lot more strategically, I think, and certainly over a longer period of time, game out these moves um, in advantage of uh, being students and practitioners of Go, <laughs> when at best we may be practitioners of chess and more likely checkers uh, or tiddlywinks, perhaps. What we are talking about, sir, if I may, is further complicated by something that you suggested might be a response by us to their predations, uh, again, whether it's in Taiwan or India or elsewhere. And for that matter, that we've also threatened would be a response to Russia, their strategic partner, should it actually invade Ukraine, namely to cut them off from the banking system. There was a, as you know, publicized um, video call between the president of Russia and the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, Vladimir Putin. Xi Jinping earlier this week, in which, among other things, they affirmed their strategic relationship and they said specifically they were going to redouble their efforts to take the dollar down as the reserve currency of the world, something that would almost certainly be further impelled by, again, these kinds of uh, threats to their access to the international banking system. What's your response to that prospect? Uh, it hasn't happened so far. They've been talking about it for a while. But do you think that we're at the cusp of perhaps a much more concerted effort and possibly a more successful one in this regard with the dollar? Well, we may not, we may not be at the cusp, but we're pretty close to it. Uh, and this is a, a real serious threat. And if we lose the, the dollar dominance, if the U.S. dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency, we are in huge, huge trouble. And even beyond the China's military uh, buildup. Um, I don't know that we could survive it. That's how important it is. And I'm not sure on the U.S. side that U.S. Treasury officials and financial officials understand this. Uh, and that's sure how serious that. this is. The Russians and the Chinese understand it, this. And that is what they are hell-bent on trying to do, is to displace the dollar. And it sounds as though uh, at least some of our experts, like Kyle Bass, a fellow member of the Committee on the Present Danger of China, as you are, Grant Newsom, that the Chinese may actually finally have come up with a digital currency or cryptocurrency, as the case may be, that uh, could somehow be attractive enough to the international community to make it a new reserve currency. We'll see, but it is very worrying. I grant you that, sir. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for all that you have done for our country and continue to do in Japan and uh, with our Committee on the Present Danger China and Center for Security Policy. Keep up the good work, my friend. We'll talk with you again very soon about all of these really important issues.